Greetings in, in Jesus' name here this morning. Uh, as we, it's been a blessing to be here, and I trust that uh, as we look into what God has for us this morning, that we can be blessed and encouraged by that. This morning, I am going to start in a little bit different way. 2022 is here. 2021 is gone. As you all know, that's not rocket science. You didn't learn something new today yet. But it is, it is something that I think about at the beginning of a new year. And, and the reason I bring it up, and I'd like to bring up a couple things of, I don't know, world news, different things on the happened this last year, and then also like to get down to the even uh, things that have happened in the church in the past year. But I would like us to think about, as we look back at 21, but I'd like us to go deeper than world news or anything else to do with money or finances, but actually think about, as we jog back, about where we are at spiritually at the start of 2022 and where we were at at the start of 2021. And is there a difference? My hope and prayer is there is, because as we know, 2021 is gone. You can't change what's happened in 2021. We can learn from them experiences. But as we look forward to a new year, what is something that we want to change? Or what are we, are we just living and existing? Or what is actually happening? A couple things. Uh, does anybody remember the name Ever Given? Yeah. What was it? You got it. 18,000 containers of consumer goods ran aground in the canal on March 23rd. For six days, the vessel blocked the passage of more than 400 other ships, stalling an already tenuous global supply chain. Experts have estimated that the ripple effect was 60-day shipping delays for roughly $60 billion worth of products. Unbelievable. But I remember that going on. I remember that uh, tiny little excavator sitting down there. You've probably seen pictures of him trying to dig that poor ship out and thinking what a hopeless cause. But that's one of them. A couple other things. Um, if I understand it right, and some of you probably have followed this a lot closer than I have, but in through July through September, there were several guys that attempted to have uh, independent or personal journeys to where? It's billionaires. We're talking Elon Musk. Outer space. Outer space. There is an argument on that. One guy said, a Branson said he reached an altitude of 53 million miles above ground, three miles behind, beyond the threshold of space, according to NASA, the military, the Federal Aviation Authority. However, some believe that that's not right because he didn't get to the Kármán line, so Brandon, or Branson just went really, really high. That's all he did, so he didn't count. So the next guy does. He goes 66.5 miles above Earth's surface on a voyage. Um, last was Elon Musk's company, SpaceX, and he went up for three days in orbit with, with no, without any trained astronauts on board. Came back to Earth. You may say, so what? I found it interesting. It's intriguing to me. In, the, in August, the troops with, were withdrawn from Afghanistan. They'd been there for 20 years. We understand there was chaos in that process too at times. We had droughts, we had wildfires, 
we had uh, California being a drought and a wildfire land and then turn into a river as they set records in some of the cities for a uh, uh, rain spell that came in off the ocean and an atmospheric river is the way I understood it came in and actually set some records if I understand it right for certain places for rainfall in one day and that's after days with no drought or with a drought we have in December tornadoes ripped through the south killing at least 90 people one of the bigger tornadoes to hit the Kentucky and uh, if you've ever looked at pictures from Mayfield Kentucky it will blow your mind I, I was going through some of them pictures and it it just absolutely amazed me um, the destruction and we know that our God is in control of the weather and I fully believe that but uh, that Kentucky and that town and the devastation in that town that was in December some people had a rough year financially I uh, got this from Forbes some had a terrible year but the nation's 400 wealthiest Americans saw their collective fortune increase 40 percent over last year so in 2021 40 percent increase to the tune of four point five trillion not billion trillion dollars that's the 400 wealthiest Americans here again does that matter spiritually no I do want to point out a couple things and I found this intriguing Bill Gates is number four on the list of wealthiest Americans at 134 billion dollars they also announced they're ending their marriage him and his wife of 27 years happiness or money will not buy happiness and I found that so intriguing because these guys on the top of this list uh, Jeff Bora's 201 billion dollars they're no longer millionaires they're billionaires there's roughly 640 million or billion dollars tied up in four people in the United States 640 billion dollars I understand that's in stock and a lot of other stuff there, the lists are on there. You can go find them if you're intrigued by it. It does intrigue me. Because these men are no happier than you or I if they don't have Jesus Christ. And, and you say, really, honestly, they probably can't even get rid of this much money. Um, that list is made up of some fairly young guys, some a lot of older men on there. But 27 years of marriage ending it with all the money in the world. Um, I'd like to get down to a little more local and uh, take a look at a couple uh, church events that happened that are more exciting than the world. I know the world, uh, some people think the world's half, the glass is half full and the others think it's half empty. I'm not going to get into that argument today. I don't think that's what we should be focused on, um, the state, you might say, of the world. I think we should bring us to our knees in prayer but there is some exciting things happening and locally here in church in 2021 we had two marriages Norman and Dina got married the first part of the year Nick and Lisa got married in September so that was exciting and as I was going back and jogging my memory I knew we had joked at the camp out that we have a new Sunday school class in four years from now in church but I didn't really put it all together but as me and my wife went through the burst, it's kind of exciting to see. Um, it's exciting to see a church with young families, with children, 
and uh, that that there's there's potential moving forward. It's, it is uh, in January. Marshall and Layla were born. March, Denver. Uh, his adoption became official in April. Emma joined us. May, Finley. July, Evan. November, we had a baptism on a warm day, I mean a chilly day, and Conrad Ardell and Emily were baptized for their faith. And in December, last but not least, Bryson joined us here at church. And that's kind of exciting. That's exciting for me to see. Um, I, it's exciting for me to see young moms and dads. I don't think I'm too old, but I have realized that it's, it's fun to see these young families, and God bless you. God bless each one of you. Um, it's it was just amazing to me to look at them events in 2021 and see that there was, what, six or seven births there in our little congregation, if I can say it that way, in our little world here in southeast Iowa. I realize the responsibility is, is great with children, and I wish you God's blessing as you endeavor that road. May God bless you as you uh, as do what God has called you to do, be moms and dads. This morning, so amongst all that and amongst all the, the world and the process, this morning I was drawn to Psalms 23. And you may look at me and say, why? We know Psalms 23 inside and out. And that's exactly what I thought when I kept thinking about this and thinking, God, you got to, this ain't, you know, they're going to think I didn't study this week. That's why I just had to fall back on Psalms 23. It's not really true. I'll be honest with you. But I had, to, I had to think a lot about it, because as I look back on 2021 and I look forward to 2022, this psalm continued to, to uh, come forward in my mind as a song or a psalm of comfort and a psalm that really kind of explains the main purpose of life. We have a shipping container that blocked the canal. We've got people flying into outer space. I was going to mention on that one, they did say they're, they're selling tickets or asking for tickets. They haven't even set a complete price, but there's a hundred people already want to fly into space and they haven't even really got a price set yet on one of these guys are planning, I guess, to commercialize space travel for a couple days. But anyway, you got, and maybe somebody here knows more on that. I did. That's just what I found. And I was intrigued by that, but through all that process of life, what does it really bring you? $640 billion held with four men. Are they any happier than you are today? Psalms 23. Many think that David wrote this psalm as a young teenager when he was a shepherd, as he was taking care of his father's sheep, lying on his back in a lush green field beside a gently flowing stream. He penned the words of this memorable psalm. However, it is far more likely that David wrote this psalm late in his life possibly during the rebellion of his son, Absalom, as David looked back over his very difficult life while facing a current crisis, he wrote the words of Psalms 23. I found that looking up different, different people's opinions on that. I'm not saying that as to be gospel, but I found it intriguing that he penned Psalms 23 in maybe some of the, the valleys of his life as he looked back at it. I'm going to take the time to read Psalms 23 here this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I realize I probably didn't even have to read that psalm. Many, many of us know that psalm by heart. It's one of the psalms that many of us learn as a very young child. But I think it's so important because in the world we live in today, there is so much spelled out in that simple six verses that, that actually can give us a peace and an understanding. That's what I'd look, like to look at today. Starting off with the very first verse, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. And I've entitled my first point, My Relationship to the Lord. David was referring to Jehovah, the Supreme, the Sovereign, the Almighty, the Omniscient, the All-Powerful. See, David knew what a shepherd was because David was a shepherd early on in his life. And I believe when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, that the Lord is a living personal God who carries us in his arms, searches for us when we're lost, and takes personal interest in us and protects us. And that's what he's referring to as a shepherd. You see, a shepherd is responsible for his sheep. And I find that so intriguing that he says a shepherd. And, and back in the Bible times, a shepherd were actually looked on as fairly a lowly job. That was kind of the bottom of the totem pole. And uh, they were basically required, if I can understand it right, to spend all their time with the sheep, protecting them, leading them, making sure they had grass, making sure they had water, and taking care of them. I think that's part of the reason we have the parallel in different places in, in the New Testament. Christ also refers to him as a good shepherd. And I believe it's because Jesus Christ, if we know him, he is there for us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every single day. He don't clock in at five and leave, or nine and leave at five, or he don't clock in at six, or he don't clock in and out. He is there 100% of the time for the betterment of you. So looking at a shepherd just a little bit, and as many of you know, I have a few sheep around, but a shepherd takes care of his sheep, and he actually cares for his sheep. But the sheep have to know the shepherd, and that's what I'd like us to think about here this morning, is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Do we look at Jesus Christ as our good shepherd? Do we look at him as actually having a relationship with him? See, I think sometimes we're living life, and sometimes we get distracted with the chaos around us because we've lost focus of the shepherd. And, and as a, a sheep farmer, I guess is what I'll call myself, if I go out to the pasture and I yell at the sheep, as long as the wind ain't too heavily blowing into my face so they can't hear me, but as long as they can hear me, typically I will get them bang back at me and running towards me. That is how I round up the sheep. Right now I have them out on a pasture and I have no crowd there. So I will simply open the gate here in a week or two and I will holler at them and they will follow me and I will lead them in and I will pen them up into a small crowd so I can load them and shear them. Now you can say sheep are just flat out dumb and they are partially, but they have done this for years. So the old mamas in the front of that row know exactly what's going on. They're going to go get tied up and shorn. But they still follow me because they understand that I, I am the one that takes care of them. Because they know me and I know them. 
So my question is for you today. That is a side note on sheep, and they are fairly dumb. I will admit that. You really can't chase them. You better have all of us trying to round up a few if you want to chase them. They will just scatter. But you can lead them. I think that's a huge parallel with Jesus and his sheep, because we are his sheep. So Jesus Christ, as our shepherd, is wanting to lead us. And he wants us to follow him. He doesn't want to chase us. He doesn't want to corral us. He doesn't want to have to try to round up, you know, Cox's army to get us herded into a certain place. He wants us to lead, him, lead us because we know him and we trust him. I think that's why David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is stating the fact. He says, you know what? God is my shepherd and I will follow him. And I don't really need $200 billion to be happy. Now he says, I shall not want, and I've, I've kind of struggled at times with that last part of that verse a tiny bit because sometimes we do have wants and maybe we're just uh, selfish individuals. But I do believe when it comes down to it, true peace, and that's what we're going to get into in the next few verses, the next moments, true peace comes from following him and recognizing no matter if I have $2 to my name or $200 billion to my name, true peace comes because we can all say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Point number two, provision from the Lord. And it kind of consumes the rest of these verses, and I'm going to skip through here a little bit. But first he talks about lush green pastures, still waters, and paths of righteousness. I don't believe for one instant... That if you become a Christian and you say, the Lord is my shepherd, that your life will be a life of ease. I don't believe that he says, you know what, you will be able just to nibble lush grass and sit beside the stream and do whatever you want to do 100% of the time. That's just how easy my life is. That's called a life of ease. What I do believe, when we trust 100% in Jesus Christ, we will have the peace that passeth all understanding. We will have a peace as if we're in lush green pastures, beside still waters, the most beautiful picture you can ever have, even if your life is kind of chaotic at times. And what I mean by chaotic, I'm not saying man-made chaos. What I'm saying is sometimes God calls us to do things that ain't much fun. And sometimes we have more going than we can possibly get done. And sometimes we don't want to answer the phone and say, yeah, I can help you. We want to say... Oh, I missed your call. I'm sorry about that. Sometimes in our hearts, we get selfish. Because we think it'd be more fun to sit at home or sit somewhere in the lush green pastures and just enjoy our life. It's not wrong. But I do believe true peace comes when we follow Christ in the paths of righteousness, which is following him 100%. You may say, well, I ain't got hardly time to breathe. I'm so... So running, well, that's not always good either. But what has Christ called you to do? I don't believe that uh, he's saying here that life is all about lush green pasture and a life of ease physically as we sometimes enjoy to be peaceful. I believe we can have peace if we follow the shepherd and actually know him and listen to his small or his voice and we do what he asks us to do. We, we cannot have just knowledge 
We have to actually live it out. The paths of righteousness indicates to me that we have to be active in God's work. It has to be a path of righteousness, a way of walking with Jesus Christ in righteousness. And as we do that, we will serve him all the time. It doesn't mean part of the time. It doesn't mean sort of. It means that we are in paths of righteousness because we love our Savior. And we trust him. We know he's going to lead us down that road. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So he goes from this beautiful picture to the valley of shadow of death. And you can take that as, as our own personal when we die, pass away. He is there with us because nobody else can walk that road with us. I don't know if you've ever thought about death, but there is no one else that will walk that road with us. That is a journey we take on our own, except for Jesus Christ is there every step of the way. I also think of it as a, as a valley, and, they, and uh, looking back at old times, there was days they had to lead the sheep through a valley or somewhere that maybe was a little bit treacherous. You know, maybe they're wild animals or they were going through a desert and they had to go on past that. And the shepherd took them there for the betterment of the sheep. And I believe today when we're going through a valley and we're going through a time in our life where we are maybe struggling with something. Maybe we're struggling with those around us. Maybe we're struggling with who knows what. You name that. That if we keep our eyes and focus on the shepherd, he is right there with us. We can make it through the valley. It says, you're rotting the staff that come for me. And I, and I always was intrigued by that. Um, they're made to guide us. And doing some looking into the rod and the staff, I know sometimes we think of this gentle shepherd who the sheep fell off the edge of the cliff and he reaches down and he pulls him up, pulls him back up to safety. They actually will tell you that sometimes that rod and staff were used to almost injure or partially injure a sheep that wasn't willing to follow the shepherd. Because if he had 2,000 sheep on the hillside, or 1,000 even, or 500, truthfully, he couldn't keep them all together if one wanted to go way over there, and one wanted to go over there, and one wanted to go here, and he had little lambs just taken off by himself. So they would actually use that as a form of discipline to keep that sheep in line after it ran off. Today, I don't use a rod on my sheep and break their legs. I simply build a higher fence and pen them in. I've got two of them right now in that fence, and I have to decide if they're going to make it to the mutton market or if they're going to be able to come back to my, to my herd because they won't stay in the fence. So I asked myself, maybe I never used the rod and staff quite properly because it may end up costing their life. And I think the thing, same thing applies to us today. As we follow the shepherd, sometimes things that bring a little pain in our life and us walking that road and, and as using, you might say, the rod, if I can use that as an example, teaches us a lesson that will hopefully stick for all of life. I know when, I, when our children, and even today yet, if there's discipline, sometimes there has to be a wooden spoon used. And I say, well, they say, well, Dad, do you really love me? And I said, yes. Because my hope and prayer is through that discipline, you will turn your life to Christ. And I believe the same thing applies to our life. Are we willing to go through that for our, for our Lord and Savior? And then he talks about preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And just a promise of beauty there. 
And I, and I find it so intriguing because in this little short passage, he hits the true fact of the Lord being our shepherd. He talks about the beautiful pastures. Then he talks about a valley and a, and a time of turmoil, you might say. And in the end, he says, I pray a prayer table before you. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy follow you. Just a beautiful picture of what Christ will do for us. Are we really following Christ because we truly love him and we trust him, no matter how difficult it may be? I believe true peace is not a life of ease, but true peace is living our life sold out to Jesus Christ. True peace comes when we are serving our Lord and Savior and giving to those around us. No matter how busy and how crazy we think we can go, do we have that peace of our Lord and Savior? I believe that Christ came here as an example for us. He didn't come here because it was more comfortable on earth. He became here because he loved us and he showed us an example how to live our lives. Are we living that example? In closing here today, I came across the story that I'd like to share with you. That short story was shared by Jeffrey Smead. Do you know the shepherd? Do you really know the shepherd? A famous actor was the dinner speaker at a large function. And when he stood up to speak, he invited his audience to choose a poem for him to recite. There was a long silence until a retired pastor raised his hand and asked for the 23rd Psalm. That the actor was slightly taken back, but agreed to do so, provided the pastor would recite it after him. The actor recited Psalms 23 and received a standing ovation. Then the elderly pastor stood and recited the psalm. When he had finished, there was not a dry eye in the house. The, the actor came over to the clergyman and announced to all the guests, the difference between his version and my version is this. I know the 23rd Psalm. He knows the shepherd. May God bless you.